Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here. How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? I'm like, I don't know. I'm all exhausted. I actually, I taped, Joe doesn't even know this, but I taped an episode earlier today uh, just because my guest was all the way in Germany. So I have to do it earlier because there's six hours ahead. And uh, somehow my timing messed up. But, uh, oh, and I couldn't do Joe last night. So two in a row, but that's, that's all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, and I'd like to welcome my guest, returning guest, founder of Carbon Records, member of the bands Pingo, Crush the Junta, and Turd, my favorite band name ever, Turd, with two U's, and he also hosts a podcast himself, right? Do, do you still do that? My teeth need attention, Joe? Yeah, barely. <laughs> barely? Okay. He barely hosts a podcast called My Teeth Need Attention. Welcome to the show, Joe Tunis. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I think I'm the only psychotic. All the podcasters know I'm the only uh, psychotic one that insists on doing it every week, no matter what. It's great. You know, you know I listen to yours, and um, there's a noise extra. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's all noise, noise records. Oh and those, no, those guys religiously uh, put out like a, a normal episode every week, and then a seven-inch episode on Sundays, and like two other weird offshoot episodes. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. I don't know how you stay on that schedule. I know some people. Yeah, I had someone on that was also a podcaster and he does multiple podcasts and yeah, does them like every and I I don't know. Just doing one every week is like a lot. It's a lot. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, some people just have a lot of time on their hands, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Joe. How's, how's everything going? You're in New York, right? You're in upstate yeah. New York? Is that Rochester, it? yeah, Western New York, yeah. Uh, everything good? Everything good with uh, Carbon Records? Anything exciting going on at uh, Carbon Records? Yeah, busy. Um, yeah, I put out like four, no, I put out five CDs back in like late spring, early summer, um, or midsummer, I guess. Yeah, we're already at the end of the summer. Um, yeah. I, I'm an idiot when it comes to planning, so I, I accidentally put out a lot of things all at once. Oh, okay. Well, we're all it, it seems like we're all idiots when it comes to planning. Yeah. So you know, what are you gonna do? And, uh, yeah, I kind of switched back to CDs for at least for a little while, just because the vinyl pressing plant yes. uh, backlog is painful and really expensive. So I've heard. Yeah. All right. So if anyone wants to check out, the best place for them to go is yeah, carbonrecords.com or uh, our Bandcamp. That's always a good place too. Right. And you could go to Bandcamp and search Carbon Records, right? Yeah, it's carbon-records.bandcamp.com. Okay, awesome. All right, but we you did it to me again, Joe. You brought me <laughs> you brought I guess so you you sort of positioned yourself as the one that's going to bring me the challenging records. Right? 
I feel like. I don't know if you're doing it on purpose, but... No, you know, I, and I even had reservations about doing this one, too, with you. You know, we, we emailed back and forth, and I thought I'd dip into my indie rock pass a little bit more, but right. um, then I decided, no, I got to stick with this one. Because <laughs> You know, it's funny, though. It's like cursory to some other episodes you've done with other people, not just me. It is. And, and I realized that as I'm going in. And I will say at first, I mean, of course, at first I'm like, what am I listening to? What did he give me to listen to this time? Which the last time we did Dead Sea, the Dead Sea uh, and uh, Trapdoor fucking exit. And that was challenging. But I eventually I felt like I eventually got it and got what was going on. This one, Joe, I'm honest. I at one point I felt like I don't think I'm gonna get this. I don't. <laughs> I don't think you know. I'm, I don't. Th- but then I feel like I did. I I didn't give up on it, and I sort of, uh, you know, do as I do, and you know, listen over and over, and try and open myself up to it more. And I got it. And uh, well, I won't say I got it. I'm gonna say it's become my favorite record in the world now. But I kind of. Uh, I kind of understand maybe more what's going on. So tell us that we haven't even said. What are, what are we doing? What are we talking about? Yeah, the record's uh, Gasterdale Souls, uh, Crook Cracked, and Fly. All right. Gasterdale Soul. So tell <laughs> tell everyone a little bit about Gasterdale Soul. So um, it, it's essentially, it started out, it's a project of David Grubbs, who I don't think you covered squirrel bait in an episode, but you talked about squirrel we bait. We talked about squirrel bait, yeah, and, and I and I, you know, and in, in finally in digging into the band, uh, yeah, I saw David Grubbs from uh, Squirrel Bait, yeah. Right. So he was in Squirrel Bait. Squirrel Bait was a bunch of teenagers in Louisville, Kentucky, playing really great uh, aggro kind of punk. I guess. Right. And then, uh, that band, you know, they were on Homestead. They put out a couple records. And then uh, they kind of like David and Clark Johnson graduate, decide to go to college. So the band splits up. The guys who stayed back, two of the guys who stayed back in Louisville started Slint. Yes. Which you did, uh, a Spiderland episode, I believe. I stepped out onto the midway. I was looking for the pirate And that was sort of my entrance into this because as, you know, after a couple times listening to him, I'm going, you know, some of this doesn't, like, not obviously, but it reminds me a little of Spiderland Slint. Like, I sort of get it. And then uh, come to find out I'm, uh, that there is a connection. And, yeah, uh, yeah that kind of made sense with me, too, because I love that record. Yeah, Water in Louisville makes, makes these kids count differently or something. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, all this math rock, uh, you know, which I kind of I don't really lump Gastrodel Soul into that, but definitely Slint and uh, Squirrel Bait and then Rodan, which was another Louisville band and Crane. They're all like that kind of Midwest math rock thing that came, you know, got big in the 90s, early 90s and mid 90s. Right. Yeah. So so those guys start Slint. That's uh, like Brian McMahon and Britt Walford 
uh, start that band. And then David and Clark started another band called Bastro. And Bastro uh, was kind of still like sl- like squirrel bait, like kind of aggro-y, fast, you know, kind of weird vocals, not quite punk, you know, sounding. And they do that for a while. And then uh, they do some tours in Europe, I think, like after college. And then David decides to go to grad school in Chicago and switches the name to Gasadol Soul. Um, I don't really know why. I interviewed him for my podcast and we didn't really get into the idea of like why the kind of name change. Because there's like this record that we're going to talk about is their second record. Their first record, which is the Serpentine Similar, you could definitely tell it's like kind of Bastro-y. You know, like there's a connection between those two bands. Bastro's started getting like weirder, um, less song oriented. Right. And it was the, basically the same guys. The other guy in the band, the drummer, is John McIntyre, who then at the time went on to start um, Tortoise, another huge band right. in Chicago, which I don't think you've really talked about at all. But, you know, the, the kind of band that led the charge with the post-rock banner, you know. Right. Yeah. Post-rock. I knew I was waiting for that to come in there because yeah. that's, uh, you know, one of the things you could use to describe it. All right. So you got David Grubbs and the other main guy is Jim O'Rourke, right? Yeah, on this record, yeah. So right. the first record is Bundy K. Brown, who went on to, and and John McIntyre, who both went on to Tortoise, and then they kind of decided to do Tortoise full time. And David meets Jim O'Rourke, who at the time was a young kid in Chicago. So they start working on the second record together, and that's what this record is. Okay. I don't know if you you fans Jim O'Rourke, yeah, you know, huge name tons of records uh recorded a bunch of things he was in sonic youth for a short time he's done stuff at wilco it's kind of runs the gamut and now he you know he's been in japan for i don't know a decade now and also and it was recorded by brian uh, paulson who also recorded uh spiderland right oh yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah it was well it was because um, unless they're lying on uh, on uh, Wikipedia it was recorded by Brian Paulson who also recorded Slim Spider. Yeah, and also uh, you got this guy Gene Coleman playing some clarinet, right? Some bass clarinet on here. Yeah, uh, you know, so at the time um, Chicago was like that hotbed of uh, weird math rock, loud rock like Jesus Lizard, but then also like jazz guys and classically trained dudes. And so they they sort of all melded together. So I've talked to like other people around that scene at the time and they were always surprised that like the jazz guys would go to like weird noise shows and vice versa. Oh, right. Yeah, so they had this like, that's why you, you, you start catching like a lot of these different players playing on different records that are somewhat outside their field, quote field. And yeah, I think Gene is one of those guys. Yeah. And I could see that. I could totally see that. Someone from like the 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 free jazz scene or something, you know, being into this, what's going on. And there's also a lot of acoustic uh, playing, acoustic guitar, which some of it reminded me of uh, Bill Orchid, some of the stuff that uh, Bill Orchid does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, which is interesting. So yeah, there's just there's a lot. And what I did, Joe. I mean, it's not obviously this isn't the type of thing where there's song. Let's hear this song. You know, there are songs, but there uh, a lot of the songs are more like sort of sweets where I wanted to I I put a couple different spots in them, you know, where I feel like listen to, it's not just like listening to the beginning of something isn't necessarily going to get it all. So I guess we'll just bounce around there and anything you want to bring up, uh, I could always play underneath, you know, later when I edit the episode. So we'll we'll cobble, we'll, we'll cobble it all together, but this record, you didn't just do, you don't just bring records like this to a punk me. This record legitimately got you high and you love this record, right? Yeah. I mean, this, (laughs) this thing turned me on to a ton of stuff. Um, I mean, I kind of already knew about uh, the math rock stuff that was going on at the time, but this was probably the first record I heard with Jim O'Rourke on it. And uh, so before this, he's like literally in high school meeting guitar legends. Like, I don't know if you know who Henry Kaiser is. Yeah, yeah. Or like Eric Bailey. Yeah, like he's meeting these European dudes. Well, Henry Kaiser is the U.S., but like... Derek Bailey and he and he starts putting out these records that are big in like the European like improv scene. Um and he's like in high school and then early in college. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's really weird. So I started diving into his early stuff, which is really like experimental, um, minimal stuff. Uh and then I, probably around this time, like he he started getting upset uh, obsessed with Tony Conrad, who I don't know if you know who he is. So he's like violin minimalist player and he was involved he was in Lou Reed's first band before the Velvet Underground oh wow okay uh, I forget the name of the band uh, and he was like in with uh, John Cale so they were playing together with Lamont Young in New York City and that whole downtown scene um, I think he technically named the Velvet Underground too if I'm not mistaken I, you know what I just I read yeah. I read about him I do recognize the name now and I did read something about that kind of recently which I didn't even know that you know we yeah. stuff before that. so there's like these elements of like Tony Conrad and then at the time I get into Tony Conrad because they're all kind of on similar labels and then O'Rourke also sort of went and found John Fahey who was living in a motel out oh. in Oregon. John Faye is uh, like a old school finger-picking guitar player, like American. He's like the father of that. Yeah. From like the 60s and then the 70s and then oh, he like okay, okay. thick of everything and became a recluse. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. And like, from what I've heard, O'Rourke sort of found him and was like, hey, dude, you got to start playing again. Um, and they on the record that follows this i think they covered a fahey track uh and then <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's really great. interesting stuff yeah um all right so let's get into let's get into the record the first thing i'll play it i'll probably play it at the beginning of the show wedding in the park because it's just a real quick short thing it's almost like a field recording at first it sounds almost like a field recording and then he's basically talking about a wedding i've, I've arrived too late for a wedding in the park they had already taken one another's name and fixed them in solution uh <laughs> <laughs> so and then he says you know the uh, uh, the lyrics i don't know um do you d- dig into the lyrics on this thing at all because there's some really interesting lyrics on this album i do and i i you know kind of sing along with it but i'm horrible at figuring out what things mean <laughs> right well that's uh, that's kind of one of the things i do on here which is fun but he says in this first thing he says the the guests had had all uh clept the lean a lean trail names are for whom easier than faces and then he says mountbank or Siolist. 
And I didn't know what either of those meant, but I looked up uh, Mountbank is sort of an oldie term for like a, a hawker of like quack medicines or a charlatan or something like that who uh-huh. attracts customers with stories or jokes. And a sciolist is a person who pretends to be knowledgeable and well-informed, who, but who really isn't. So that was just kind of interesting that they open up the record with that, you know? Yeah, and that, you know, it kind of makes sense, the these lyrical uh, devices he's doing. He he was uh, David Grubbs was an English major in under, undergrad. Oh, okay. There, yeah, you you could tell that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could tell. So, yeah, smarted, we much smarter that. than than you or I. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then, uh, so we'll get into the the second track, "Work from Smoke." I got a couple of things I want to play from it, but it starts out because it's kind of. I feel like "Work from Smoke" is kind of like one of the centerpieces of the record because, and it starts this uh, acoustic shredding, almost like guitar shredding on top. So let's listen to the beginning of Work From Smoke. So he's got, so it is, that's kind of like a shred. He's kind of shredding in a way on that acoustic, right? I mean, yeah. it is pretty impressive. Yeah, I love, I, I think it's the two of them playing together. I can never really tell. A lot of that, yeah, a lot of on the record, that's what I think it is. I think it's two yeah. uh, them playing and sometimes they, yeah, they meet on the notes and it just gives it a very, uh, really interesting sound and feel and a very percussive way to play the acoustic because there's no drums yet. But there will be drums. Like at first, I'm listening to this record. I'm thinking, oh, there's probably no drums. But oh yeah, there are drums. Oh, the drums are the payoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. I, love, I absolutely love John McIntyre's drumming. Yeah. Um, and this record like blew me away. Yeah, and there's some. Yeah, well, let's get a uh, spoiler explosion. alert. That's coming later. But now, <laughs> all right. So this song, then a little later on, you get a very a surreal, a vaguely unsettling vocal part that he's singing about these uh, two dogs. So let's listen mm-hmm. to a little. Of approached deep for dogs 
Later, did I sleep so close to smoldering stone? Yeah, so vaguely unsettling, right? It gives you a little unsettling vibe. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, Grubbs's vocals are always kind of, I don't know, minor key, I guess. I don't know, they're always a little off key. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's some of this, and yeah. some of this did remind me of Slint as well, like the way. Oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, and uh, but it's it's really interesting, and I like how I guess is. Do, do you think that's the other guy singing, harmonizing with him? They're doing that together. You know, it was funny. I was listening to this record a ton this week, kind of getting ready for this, and I'm like, I never realized. I don't think because it almost sounds like it could be a woman singing with him. It, it but does, I, but then I'm thinking maybe it's just a guy singing like. I think it might be a Rourke. He does, yeah, he does sing high sometimes. So he he put out a, a number of solo records that are very like pop, and uh, and he sings high on some of them. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, but it's interesting, and you know who know, I I have no idea what he's singing about, but uh, two dogs approach. They make work from smoke. We could see, but it's interesting. Like if you notice, one of them he's saying deep for dusk but the other one is saying deep for dawn. Like every time he says deep for oh, dusk, yeah. the other one is saying for dawn instead of dusk. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And then the guitar, and then it's funny, I didn't know that that was a clarinet feedback until I read it because I just assumed it was guitar and I'm thinking, wow, he's making that guitar sound almost like a clarinet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it is the, a dude on a clarinet, but yeah, so that kind of closed it out and uh, I want to play a little bit of that also. One thing I was going to ask you is like, when do you, when would you listen to, when are you in the mood to listen to this? Like, what would you be doing? Hmm. Because the thing is, we had talked about it when we did the Dead Sea, it ended up, it was a good car. I felt it was a good, I liked, I listened to it like driving at night in the car. I felt it was good for that. 
this is not good for that. I didn't enjoy listening to this in my car. It gave me anxiety. I felt like it was giving me anxiety. I feel like I've, uh, there's a number of records I remember listening to, like driving home late from Buffalo, like seeing a show in Buffalo. And that's about an hour away from us. Right. Um, you know, and you're driving home at like three in the morning and I'm pretty sure I've probably listened to this doing that. No, well you, yeah, that's Um, you, but I couldn't, like I said, I didn't enjoy it in the car. I enjoyed it more at, at home, like just having it in a background, like in the background and everything. And I felt like I couldn't, uh, because I was focusing on it too much in the car. I don't know. It just, uh, it wasn't good in the car for me. Yeah. Some of the, some of the other sounds on that piece right there are interesting because I don't know if I even uh paid much attention but there's definitely vibraphone on that um, oh okay okay mcintyre goes on to then play a ton of vibraphone in tour i don't know if you're familiar with tortoise or not I've heard of Tortoise, and I know they're they're well regarded. I know I know people that love them, but I've never really gotten into them myself. Yeah, um, yeah, but they, they a lot of like there's basically like three or four percussionists in that band, so there's always like multiple drummers going on, oh, okay. guys playing vibraphones right. or um, you know marimbas and stuff like that. And so on that, yeah, you hear vibes, and you also hear there's some screeching sounds, which I think it's him. Um, either bowing in cymbals or um, you could take the tip of a, a drumstick and drag it a certain way on top of a, a cymbal and you get it to screech, sort of. Ah, okay, and, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's sounds that you hear in there and they're all melding in with the clarinet. Right. Uh, and maybe some synthesizer, I'm not sure, because I know Aurora's a big synthesizer guy, too. Ah, okay. Yeah, all right, so there you have that and then you have, parenthetically, uh which is another quick, short, like, interlude. They they put, like, these interludes between these long, sweet song, songs. But uh, let's mm-hmm. listen to a little bit of, parenthetically, just with some vocals and piano. It rained at the same hour for days straight. In the museum they set up the drums all wrong. Reversed hi-hat and snare. I like this. I like this little thing because I like when bands put things in that show, especially a band like this could be uh, seen as like, oh, just too too artsy for their own sake and, you know, uh, too into their own. And then this is really funny. I mean, because I feel like he's probably talking about something that really happened, you know? They they probably had a gig in a museum and they set the drums up all wrong, right? I love that line. That line, I mean, I'm a drummer too. So it's like, I can only imagine like, you sit down and you're like, who set this up? Right, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it's just normal for anyone who ever has played drums or, you know, has been in a band. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Grub, I, so, I like yeah Grubbs is like uh, naturally a piano player too. So, oh, okay. On the, yeah, there's much more piano in like other records of theirs. And then he went on to play piano on like other records by like uh, Codeine. Um, so there's like connections with Codeine, the Codeine uh, guy. Oh, okay, yeah. McIntyre went to Oberlin and the Codeine guys went to Oberlin. So they all started to start playing 
uh, various things and covering each other's songs too. So we kind of talked about that Fahey cover earlier, but right. like Codeine and Seam all have Oberlin connections and they end up covering each other's songs on different records. Um, Grubbs does a, I think he wrote, maybe wrote a Codeine song uh, and they played it with their instruments, but then there's a version of it where it's just him playing the piano version of it. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, all right. So every five miles now we have an instrumental and starts out very, very uh, delicate and pensive. And then eventually I'm going to, I think I'm going to start a little in when it morphs into this acoustic. It got this, the more of the frantic acoustic mode, which is something that comes in and out, right? He, he brings mm -hmm. that in and out of the whole album and electric, some electric guitar comes in and it's all very chaotic. Let's listen to every five miles. I said this stuff I, I i i couldn't listen to this driving like driving down to miami i was working in miami this week and i couldn't i kind of turned it off listening to that because it was just it was giving me anxiety <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh yeah he's doing some interesting stuff i think they're playing around with tuning and uh and it's just but joe i'm curious as a drummer are you at this point you get this record are you like bummed so far like oh where the drag i guess there aren't <laughs> drums it you know it it definitely when I first heard it, um, I was always just waiting for the drum parts. Right. <laughs> right. And then I eventually just, it, it started just seeping into me. So I had to listen to everything, every right. piece, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, at first, you know, cause I, at the time I was listening to mostly like all that Midwest loud rock stuff, you know? So I was, I was, you know, everything is on fire all the time, you know? Right. And, you know, like Jesus Lizard and yeah, uh, yeah. Which some of that's uh, coming up, but you have to wait. You have to wait one yeah. more song, right? Yeah. You gotta yeah. wait this now. How do you how do you pronounce this next song? What do you what do you say? Those you say it. The name of this next song. Oh, I have no idea. Is um those is, Dudley uh, Ah old must die? <laughs> uh, yeah, I always assumed that those was just the like a abbreviation for Thomas, but that's not how you abbreviate it, right? <laughs> Well, it's got a period in it too, though. It does have a period, but it also and they play around with uh, wordplay. They, they they he does like to play around with uh, wordplay 
and the spelling and a pronunciation of words to make. And I feel like that's another way that makes you uneasy to make the listener uneasy, which I got to guess is part of the aim uh, to some of this. But all right, let's listen to this track anyway. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting. A death's head on your hand you need not wear. A dying head on your Mortality. He's pronouncing mortality, mortality. And that part when he says, uh, what if I was so uh, what if I was so soon in waters drowned and when I'd cry to men, no help I found. And then this this like rumble roar comes in. That's like a fierce little wicked sound that kind of like, oh, like kind of wakes you up. It sounds like, um, yeah, so those are all like very, I think, string instruments. That sounded like a bass, but like the guy bowing it kind of weird. And yes, yeah, it, yeah. It makes it sound like a ship creaking. Like a ship creaking or an animal growling or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, yeah, cool. And it's funny, that also sort of brought me back to uh, Slint Spiderland in a way in that there's nautical little nautical um, things going on here. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that. It's that, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, Louisville's on the river, but... <laughs> Right. <laughs> but you know, like the June of 44 guys. So that's, I don't know. Uh, so there's Rodan from Louisville and, and then they sort of morph into like June of 44 and all their records were all maritimey kind of sounding and tons of themes about Stern and starboard. And it's like, I don't know, you live in Kentucky. Right. Like, I know. And it's the what Ohio river, I think is right there. Yeah. Um, but you'd swear they were like in the Northwest or something like that. Um, everything's about shipping and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. These are strange kids. All right. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, on this record, what happens? They turn into what? <laughs> shellac. <laughs> they turn into shellac or something. Yeah. Uh, so this is when you you sort of perk up, right? You're like, oh my god, what's going on? Uh, this is is that a rifle when it rains? This is not a megaphone. Please be precise. Was I hidden or ignored? I am speaking into a funnel. Where is it coffee time? Is that between Eastern and Central? I don't know who to blame for a car.
when it rains. <laughs> yeah, so almost that's pretty much it. Like, it's this short little song, but uh, yeah. What do you think, Joe? What do you make of this? I always wanted that song to go on for like 12 minutes. You do. You want it to go yeah. on for 12 minutes. And at first, <laughs> when I heard it, I go, oh, why isn't the whole record like this? But I realized that's not the point, obviously. And mm-hmm. the fact that it's just this little thing that comes in, you know, it, it in a way makes it cooler because, you know, obviously they're doing exactly what they want to do and how they want to present it. And this little thing just comes in. Uh, I don't know. It, it's cool. Once once I resign myself to the fact that, oh, okay, this is just going to be this little quick thing that comes in, it kind of all makes sense in a way. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, now, listening to it, like at the time I didn't know it, but um, now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, that does remind me of uh, This Heat, which is, a, you know, the UK kind of post-punk band, I guess we would call them. Oh, okay. Uh, they were, you know, they were around in the late, 70, I think 79 they might have started and and O'Rourke definitely uh, he's got another project that came about around the same time called Breeze Glaze which was the other record I was gonna pick maybe for this episode <laughs> okay. um, and that's maybe even weirder um, but that was him trying to like understand how this heat wrote songs oh okay from what I, I, I read that once in an interview and who knows I probably have it wrong it was like 30 years ago but this kind of reminds me of that. It's that stoppy, starty thing. It almost sounds like uh, someone put it to get put the drum thing together with like a tape cut. Oh right, um, yeah, and and, and yeah. then also, and then they throw in that the, that that noisy part inside it, which just like works really well and just sort of brings it mm-hmm. uh, to a different place. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we get another instrumental, the Sea and Cake, which I I read. Uh, all right, so John McIntyre, that's the tortoise guy that's also in Tortoise, right? Right. Yep. So he's got another band called the Sea and Cake, the S-E-A yeah. and Cake. And and I had read that he misheard the title of this, and that's why he named his band that, but he didn't know yeah. this was the C, the letter C <laughs> yeah. and Cake. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard the Sea and Cake, that band? I did not have time to dig into them in here, but yeah. I will play some of them here. Good. Good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. Uh, of course you do. <laughs> um, it's funny though. Like when they came about, I remember a buddy of mine going, "Like, dude, that they sound like um, like just seventies seventies uh, rock, like uh, easy listening, like yacht rock almost." Oh, okay. But I was like, no, what are you talking about? Um, because I'm, of course, digging out like what he's doing on drums and like. Oh, right, right, doing, right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, it's a cool instrumental. Starts out extremely subtle and barely there. So I'm going to be playing it underneath all this part. But about two and a half minutes into it, 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 it eventually resolves into this really uh, pretty outro to the song. So let's listen to uh, a little bit into the seeing cake. <laughs>
again, they're doing that dual guitar, acoustic guitar thing there, which is really, uh, it's really interesting. And um, I don't know. It's just, it, it's always fascinating to me that it takes a certain bravery to go into a studio and saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> And you're yeah. going to record this and we're going to release this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, right. yeah. And I, I do, I have a lot of respect for people that do, uh, that do that because I don't know if I would have that uh, brave. I would be that brave. I'd say, no, let's, let's just do that a dumb song I wrote. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of yeah, like I a verse and a like, chorus. <laughs> especially like, I mean, this one, I think, uh, you know, I think they recorded with a friend and who knew what they were going for and, they recorded some of this in like a basement and stuff. And, you know, you could tell some of the stuff is lo-fi, like home recording. Yeah. Well, I want to let everyone know the song, a couple of songs earlier, there's like a pop in the song. And I want everyone to know that's not me, my podcast doing it. That's on the actual song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and I, you know, I wonder if people were thinking like, well, wait, this is a guy from scroll bait and this is a guy from Bastro. Like what's going on here. Right. Right not getting what they previously did you know yeah uh, but that's but that's great right that's what you want you want your your artist to do that to just make you uncomfortable and bring you into different well you, you obviously want that want that right <laughs> <Joe>. <laughs> you know you know you brought it up earlier like you know you you asked me did this record really get you high um i mean this record turned me on to like so many other records and artists uh, both of these guys have done that basically oh nice they talk a lot about like what their influences are. And, and then they both started running labels like under the drag city umbrella, which is the label this came out on out of Chicago. They, they, they both started essentially curating labels and reissuing like obscure records that were hard to find by like modern composers and weird, like electron experimental electronic stuff out of Europe. Um, so they did a lot as far as like education wise goes, you know, like turning people on to a lot of other things, you yeah. know, so it's, it's, they're not the kind of band like the Velvet Underground, like, you know, 4 billion bands started up to sound like the Velvet Underground. I don't know if anybody was like, I want to sound like Yes Still Soul, but right. um, they definitely turned people on to a ton of music. Right. And the Velvet Underground didn't give a shit about turning anyone onto anything or any <laughs> other bands either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now the, we get the uh, final, the epic instrumental outro, which I got three. I got three different parts of this song queued up uh, because this this song sort of has everything thrown in, right? Uh, yeah, it's got the acoustic stuff. It's got like that that rock. I don't know what do you call that stuff. I call it like rock. You know, R A W K, the rock passages. Um, I haven't used that term in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll use it. I'll still use it. Yeah, and then you get these uh, more of the like the quiet like the found sound almost like found sound like where are they doing it? Is this? It sounds like it's in like a cellar or something. You you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, it's it's really cool. All right, but let's uh, let's start it out. It's 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 also funny because I love about halfway in. It sounds like they're gonna rock out. They decided, oh, let's rock out, but then they quickly give up on it. They say, nah, we're not doing that yet. <laughs> uh, all right, let's listen to some of the wrong sounds. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, I love that. It, 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 it's like psych, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're getting heavy and then ah, now we're going to go over to, now we're going to throw you in the cellar with this little, with these crazy, you know, these little ambient noises that are, that, that, that are going to unsettle you for a while. I, I play, uh, you know, I, uh, I have friends, uh, you know, neighbor friends and stuff who are not into weird music at all. And, uh, when they hear some of the weirder experimental stuff that I do, they always liken it to like just throwing a box of silverware down the basement stairs. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and it's a good thing they like know you good enough where they don't actually call the police and say, I don't know what he's doing over there. <laughs> like that Tom Waits song. What's he doing there? <laughs> um, Alright, but then eventually the guitar, I, I, I like how it sounds so organic, like the guitarist kind of comes up with this riff. It sounds very organic, and then they, they, they kind of pounce on it. They pounce mm -hmm. on the riff. Uh, Fantastic groove, and that's so. That's John McIntyre playing drums there. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Like um, I don't know if people can hear, but like he does, he's got the style where he does a lot of ghost notes with his left hand. Yes, exactly. Um, yes, and it, it's just amazing. Uh, that's like if if people are into that, like his drumming on there, they should check out early Tortoise. I kind of like Tortoise. Kind of lost me after a few records, but I really love the first couple records. Definitely more chill, not as rock as that, but um, his style is just awesome. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's so good. And then, and then finally, the acoustics come back and they kind of play the song direction.
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool. And like I said, Joe, man, I, I I was doubting you at first. I was saying, no, this is it. I'm I'm not. I I can't be down with this. And I got it. It it, it does. And I appreciate you bringing in. You know, you bring records that sort of force me to uh, open my, you know, open my mind up a little uh, to other, um, you know, other types of music and other albums that are great, but in their own way. And they're not, you're at, you know, they're not going to, they're going to, they're going to play by their own rules. And they're, uh, you know, they're, it's like comparing one uh, a painting, like an abstract painting to a, you know, to a realist painting. It's like they they could both be great, but they're two completely like, different yeah, things. Yeah. yeah that, um, that re- super repetitive rocking part on that song, um, O'Rourke uh, ended up doing some like side projects, um, maybe at the same time as this band was still going on, um, with like, uh, Zenny Giva's, uh, KK Null. The band was, uh, Yona Kit, I think, and You Fantastic. And they do these like really great repetitive things just like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, it's great because it, 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 yeah, it, ends, up, it yeah. ends up getting hypnotic, right? Uh, especially like you said, with his, yeah. with all the ghost notes and everything, it sort of gets you into this hypnotic groove and you could just go on forever. It sounds awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, his drumming totally influenced me a ton. I can't come even close to what he does, but I definitely tried to ape him <laughs> right <laughs> no, nothing like, wrong. <laughs> back, yeah back when like uh, you know uh, my post-college band was like a math rock band and i was always uh picking up things that he was doing right 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 and you're i just i'm always amazed yo you how do you remember all these different bands and artists and stuff you got i mean you have a really good memory for all this stuff i couldn't remember all these uh you know obscure to to me and to a lot of people obviously i guess they're not obscure to you yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you remember a ton of it. Like you, you cover bands so. that I was like, you know, like, um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but, um, you turned me on to mission to Burma. This is a band that I didn't know. Oh, much yeah, that's about. right. Yeah. You did say that. Um, yeah. Which is crazy. Right. I would just, yeah. And yeah. I, I just got another record that there's the, the problem with Burma, I think it's called the you double can, You cannot go wrong uh, with the Burma yeah. record. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah you won't and go then, wrong. uh, Volcano Suns, which has the shellac kind of connection right with uh bob weston uh yeah um, great uh yeah great. Uh, yeah so there's peter you know, prescott there's... and you know peter prescott has a band now mini beast which you would probably love you should definitely check him out that's oh, peter prescott's uh, new band now mini beast where he's not playing dry he's got another drummer he's playing guitar and they're great oh i gotta check that out yeah yeah you would love it i think um, he's gonna come on as a guest uh again yeah, so you know i might know a lot about these things but then i don't know about <laughs> a other bands right no like, but you bring i appreciate it and you bring these records and it's always you know uh, the people that know the real the, the hardcore listener uh listeners to this podcast i think especially a patron my patrons but even the people that listen they get it and they get the fact that it's going to be all different records that but my uh, stupid friends of mine they go oh you finally did a a, a good record i see these idiots that don't even i don't give a shit they don't even listen to the podcast but they see oh you did a record that i know so you did a good record it's like shut up every record we do is great i'm sure rat's listening to this one going what is this crap yeah <laughs> oh yeah well rat yeah that's true he tell yeah um you know, he's been bugging me I, I have to have him on again soon but i'm putting it off as long as i can you I have, should that last that last one he did um 
was uh who was it? Sandy was Denny. A, <laughs> Sandy Denny. You know, again, that's another one where I'm like, who's Sandy Denny? I know, like, me too. And I know, was I knew, embarrassed to really say, oh, I really should have known who Sandy Denny was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he plays it, and I'm like, holy crap! Like that's so good. And again, you know, if, if people know Rat only through noise, then they would never know, you know, his affection to records like that oh yeah well yeah because uh, to give him credit he is ultimately although he he will put he'll try and put down anything that you like just oh, to, sure. just to yeah. do it but <laughs> he he ultimately he's of the opinion there's there's only two kinds of music there's good music and there's bad music and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and whatever you happen to like at the time he will it will fall under bad music for him uh you know but uh, everything else is good music you should see his record collection. You would believe it. Oh, no, I've, be I've been to his... Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, you've there. seen Yeah, I stayed in his, <laughs> his old condo and... He has Kiss records. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I remember seeing, like, finding out that he was obsessed with American American Club... Music Club. Music, music uh, Club? Yeah. Mark Eitzel. Oh, he loves... Yeah, he's gigantic, gigantic section of his records. Oh, collection. yeah. I think Mark Eitzel eventually got a restraining order against him or something. You know, but... <laughs> And I went. I was down there for a record store day once, and me and him got up early and went over to Sweat Records, and um, and you know did our record store day thing. And you know the records he was picking up was like, I'm like, wow, you're getting that? Like, yep, it, yeah, surprise. Oh yeah, he's still no, he's still doing it. He's right. buying, he's buying records. <laughs> he has no business buying because he has no room for them anymore. <laughs> I guess he doesn't have kids, so that he can do that. <laughs> exactly. So Joe, uh, yeah, like I said, this was great. I really appreciate you bringing these. Uh, these weird uh weirdo records to us but uh it's it's all great so what do you uh let's see what uh we said you can go to carbon uh carbonrecords.com and also on Bandcamp carbon records what's like the the newest thing coming out or something coming out maybe that's not even out yet um i'm working on oh i don't know i mean there's a <laughs> the last the last couple of cds uh pengo put out a cd um, recently we did like oh, a, nice. a, a long weekend of shows back in August. Uh, so we've got a CD out for that. And oh, okay, I put out good. a CD from a couple Albany, uh, groups and, uh, my buddy, Will Veter, who's a local guitar player, put out something of his. It's amazing. Uh, it's getting airplay now on like podcasts and radio shows and stuff like that. And oh, I'm working on good. a record for next year from a handful of dust, which is, um, Bruce Russell from the Dead Sea. It's his other band. Oh, nice. Alistair Galbraith so uh, that yeah that just got mastered and wow yeah uh, you are busy see that's good see you're doing the same what you were saying those other these guys do you're doing that too you're, yeah. you're bringing all this music out to people whether they like it or not whether they want to hear it or not you're bringing it out to them your family how about your family still still just thinks you're nuts mostly oh yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's not good my, some things won't change it's funny my daughter slowly getting she ended up uh, meeting us in Philly when Pengo was playing Philly uh, she was uh, road trip on her way back and um, I started teaching her a little bit about Sun Ra because we're in Philly and I had to teach her about Sun Ra I know you don't like jazz but she's I think starting to, to see the light oh okay alright there's the sun. <laughs> yeah it's pretty interesting awesome alright so uh, yeah thanks again I really appreciate it don't forget everyone uh, Instagram and Facebook you can follow me at at that record got me high also that Facebook group got me high on Twitter it's at TRGMH podcast you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com most importantly if you want to become a patron of the show like all our great patrons and we do our 
really fun patron curated episodes, which you can become a part of. Just go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH, become a patron of the show. Uh, don't forget, just rate, review, and subscribe. Write a review. I haven't gotten like a new review lately. Come on, just just write a review of the show. Say how, uh, what you think. You know, write a review of this show. Say they play these goddamn records I never heard of, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. So I'll tell you if you want. I'll I'll actually write the review for you, and then you can just send it in and do it. I'll do that. I don't care. Joe, once again, thanks. It was great having you on. Yeah, thanks, man. It was it was a fun time. Good. I'm glad. All right, we'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. Mm-hmm. 